Whoa. Wait a minute. Huh? Hold up. What? Oh, okay. Did we just lose the f***ing Canucks? You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Henderson, right wing, to the net. Stick handled, lost it in front for Lindholm. He scores! For the most part, I like the effort. You know, it's a long road trip coming back. Nikita, how often do you work on your dance moves? Not that much as guys in red. Pittsburgh is stuck in quicksand. They're going down. You called it Pittsburgh. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. The weekend. Good morning, Vancouver 601 on a Friday. Sweet, sweet Friday. It is Alfred and his breath. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintec Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Adog, good morning to you. Good morning. Laddie, good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Alfred Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer. Today we are in hour one of the program. Hour one is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. And we are coming to you live from the Kintec studio, Kintec Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintec, that's what. We have a big show, shockingly a big show, after a very fun and entertaining night at Rogers Arena. Very, very cool win. I call it a cool win for the Vancouver Canucks last night over the Detroit Red Wings. Today's show, guest list, begins at 7 o'clock. Going to talk to AJ from AJ's Pizza. A reminder, it's Ask Us Anything Friday on the program. And we're giving away a $100 gift card. Yeah, 100 smackaroos to AJ's Pizza for the best Ask Us Anything of the day. All you have to do is hashtag it AUA, put a pizza emoji into your text, you'll be entered into the contest to win a $100 gift card to AJ's Pizza. Uh, that's at 7 o'clock, right after AJ at 7.05. Jim Toth, longtime friend of the program from CJOB Radio in Winnipeg, is going to join us. The Canucks play the Jets in a very tasty matchup on Hockey Night in Canada tomorrow, so we'll look ahead to that with Jim. 7.30, it's the Moj. Yes, it's the Moj. BC Lions play-by-play man, fresh off a trip to the Super Bowl. 8 o'clock, Rick Dollywall. Connects reporter from Donnie and Dolly on Czech TV. And I mentioned it is Ask Us Anything Friday. It's a big show. We got a lot to get into. I'm not even going to work the guest list in reverse. We're just going to tell everybody. And Laddie, let's what happened. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? You missed that? Did he say, let's what happened? What happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. Yes, let us what happened. <laughs> Usually, let's tell everybody what happened. I no, short- let's, let's what happened. That's how big the show is today. That's how I busy sh- it is today. I shortened it up because we didn't have enough time yeah, for all those words. Everything. Elias Lindholm, old Lindholms himself, scored twice. Elias Pettersson had three assists. The Canucks. Scored a 4-1 victory against the Detroit Red Wings at Rogers Arena on Thursday night. JT Miller with a goal. Nikita Zadorov with a goal. Thatcher Demko with 27 saves. Uh, that was a really fun game. I, I really, thir- I mean, not like I don't enjoy all the wins, but I especially enjoyed that one. Take that, Jake Wallman. 
Yeah, they scored first, the Vancouver Canucks, for a league-leading 35th time. Crazy. In their 55th game. So surrendering surrendering those early goals was not a problem last night. Thanks to Jeff Petrie's absolutely horrific pass up the wall that was easily picked off by JT Miller, who beat Alex Lyon with a nice shot. Uh, The Canucks made it 2-0 halfway through the first after Elias Lindholm ripped a hard shot past Lyon, who still should have had it despite how hard that shot was. Now we will fast forward to the second period. And after a strong shift by the Swedish line, I don't think we need to come up with anything fancier for that line. It's just the Swedish line. The puck found its way back to Nikita Zadorov at the point. He risked it on net, and Lyon didn't see it because of all the traffic in front of it, including the big body of Elias Lindholm. Lindholms. Lindholm Lindholms. is certainly having a game so far in my recap. Uh, The Red Wings did get one back in the second to make it 3-1, which was the same score in favor of the Canucks the last time these two teams met just last Saturday. We all know that one ended with an OT loss to Detroit after the Canucks had blown the lead in the third period. Now, the Red Wings, to their credit, did indeed make a push in the third, thanks to a couple of Canucks penalties, including a super soft one, Against Quinn Hughes. Mm -hmm. Who did he slash there? Was it Lucas Raymond? Could be. We used to, in hockey, you know, like, we'd be like, stick check. And if you weren't holding on to your stick hard enough, then you dropped your stick. And Quinn Hughes didn't break Raymond's stick or anything. He just dropped it. Anyway, the Canucks significantly improved PK, killed them both off. And that allowed Lindholm. To score again on a pass from Petey that Petey nearly bobbled away before recovering and getting it to his new line mate. That goal pushed the Petey Lindholm Hoaglander line to plus three on the night. You know how they do a combined? A combined plus nine on the night. It's pretty good. Uh, which should go a long way to erasing the memory of Petey and Lindholm each having minus fours in Boston. Combined minus eight. Hey, remember when I suggested putting those three together? That was smart coaching by me. The Trey Kroner line? No, just the Swedish line. Okay. Anyway, the key stat of the night for me, the Red Wings power play went 0 for 5, and the Canucks didn't have one of their best, if not the best, penalty-killing forwards out there, Joshua Dakota. Dakota Joshua missed the game with an injury that's believed to have occurred during his fight with Chicago's Mackenzie Entwistle. At the end of Vancouver's win Tuesday, uh, McKayev replaced Joshua on the third line, and that line gave up the only goal against. But let's stay positive. Mm-hmm. The PK needed guys to step up, and step up they did up front. It was a lot of Elias Pettersson out there. And let's give some love to uh, Noah Juleson. He's been getting a lot of it lately. He had a great game, shorthanded as did Horonic and Myers. All three of those guys were out there a ton. They blocked a bunch of shots, combined 10 shots, not all of them on the PK, but they were blocking shots. Oh, and Thatcher Demko. He blocked a lot of shots too. They call those saves when they are blocked by goalies. They sure do. Um, He made a save. It wasn't on the PK. He made a save that hurt my own groin to watch when he came across the net and, I don't know, somehow made it 
by going into the splits. So I was like, oh my god. It's funny that he didn't How have these a ton guys of do this. He didn't have a ton of saves on the power play, but the one save he had on the power play on the backdoor play to Patrick Kane was maybe his best yeah. save of the night. He, so. he only had to. Uh, I was looking at the stats, and the Red Wings had five power plays, and he only had to more make four saves. Yeah. So that's that's. Credit to Demko for making all those saves, but credit to, for the players in, in front of Demko for limiting the shots. And yes, A-Dog, Zadorov did the gritty. That's and right, he did. It was very funny, and we all enjoyed that, especially on social media. Even I enjoyed that on social media. But seriously, folks, what a turnaround. It continues. The Canucks are now up to 80 points in the standings. After 55 games, they finished with 83 last season. I think they'll get there. I think they'll get there. You just jinxed them. Way to go. You know what? Regardless, that would be interesting if they didn't. <laughs> you know what? What a story. <laughs> now that now I'm that working, would be a story. Now that I'm working it out in my mind, actually, that could, might be even a more compelling story. What happened to those Vancouver Canucks? Uh, okay, let's run through some of the storylines from last night. You talked about the PK. Uh, at length, and it was very good. The Joshua thing, uh, just to add on to your note, Rick Tockett did say post game that Joshua is not going to play next game either. So don't expect to see him. As a matter of fact, you're not going to see him in the lineup on Saturday against the Winnipeg Jets. Mikheyev got the he was okay from Rick Tockett when asked about his ascension to the third line. Well, he wasn't Dakota Joshua on that line. No, he was a little better. Was the exact yeah, and he skated a little bit better. Um, I want to focus. A little bit on the Swedish line, which I feel like we could workshop a little bit. No, we'll it's it just now. the Swedish line. Why? Some of the uh, I just want to tell. The Swedish line is a very what about bad the name. Swedish line? I We've have done that. The Swedish are, berries. You know, you know what? Uh, bury it. You know what Elias Lindholm called it? Mm. The Swedish line. Oh, they're going to see the third line. <laughs> the, the third the, line. Stealing the moniker. Everyone some, wants to be the third line uh, now. My only problem with some of the, 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 the line suggestion names that we get in there into the Dunbar Lumber text line and, and Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner or Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Butis in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com and the number is 650-650 is they're so complicated. Like I need a treasure map to get through the logic of, of, of some of these lines, sometimes simplicity is best. So uh, whatever we're calling the line, Rick Tockett, full of praise. I'm going to start with Lynn Holmes, better known as Elias Lindholm. Rick Tockett loves this guy. Elias Lindholm. Absolutely loves Lynn Holmes. He is a big fan. Lynn Holmes. Yeah. And, I, and he actually had a good reveal yesterday in that, uh, it's very clear that they're going to keep that line together for a little while. But there's a certain guy he wants to see play center, and we'll play it now. Here's Rick Tockett postgame 4-1 victory uh, over the Detroit Red Wings talking about Elias Lindholm. Like I said to you guys, I've been bouncing around wing, center. I, you know, I don't think that's fair to the kid. I think he's a good – I think he's a centerman. You know, and tonight I'm not saying I'm – because he got two goals, I was right. I just think he's a centerman. Um, just the way he, the positional, his positional play. Um, if there's a mistake, he's in the right position. You know, you just, you can, t- I can tell. He just knows where to go in certain situations. Doesn't cheat the game. Blocks a shot at the end. That's why we acquired him. So, for now, I'd like to keep him at center. So, he also won twelve of eighteen in faceoffs. 
So that's pretty good. PD still had to take three, uh, five face-offs, but I wonder if a lot of those were shorthanded. Yeah, and uh, Tockett mentioned that as well. Tockett didn't have the number in front of him as to his face-off prowess, mm-hmm. but he passed the eye test with old Rick because Rick was like, he was very good and won some big draws for us. Now, the other part of that line that got a lot of praise yesterday, Nils Hoaglander. And uh, there was a, you know, I guess the door closes for one guy in Dakota Joshua, who's now sidelined. It opens for another. So Hoaglander also got power play time yesterday, net front. And again, another guy that has taken the challenges from his head coach and hasn't just met them, but has exceeded them. And now is starting to see the fruits of that labor because he's got a pretty cherry gig playing alongside Lindholm and PD on that line. He's going to get some time with the man advantage now. And Rick talking. He's still is, not playing a ton. Like he only played 1241 last night. Yeah. It feels like it's going to be an uptick based on what the head coach had to say. Here's well, it already Rick, is. Here's Rick talking now on uh, Nils Hoaglander uh, and his Ability to play nasty. We'll get to that on the other side of the clip as well. And his increased role on the team. Yeah, I think Hoggy early this season was playing fancy. You know, when you, when sometimes when you're a guy like him, you play with good players. You start, I think if you watch him, he's, you know, he was outstanding in the corners. He's, his corner work has just been the last month. And um, he was playing a little nasty tonight, too. I love that about him. Like he was just getting in there. So. Um, had a couple of chances there too. So yeah, no, I, I actually liked Hoggy's game again tonight. He he fits that bill of being a nasty. He's in the corners. He's taking the puck in the net. If he can if he can stay with that and not get too fancy, I think uh, you know he can really climb the ladder on that. That's what I've always liked about Hoglander. Even going back to the World Juniors, didn't he get kicked out of a World Juniors game? He's a rever- he got, he reverse got hit, I think. Maybe an elbow yeah, reverse yeah, yeah. hit. He's but, good at he's, he's he's sneaky dirty. Yeah, which I like. I don't even know if he's sneaky dirty. Yeah, I like just regular dirty he, too. He, but. He's also really strong. Like it's not, um, you know, his reputation when he was drafted was, wow, this guy's really talented, and a lot of people were surprised that he fell to the second round of the draft. Um, but we we've, we've seen that. He doesn't mind playing with a chip on his shoulder. And um, I I think, frankly, that is one of the things that has separated him from Pod Colson and why one of them is in the NHL right now and one of them isn't. Now, granted, I'm probably going to hear from some people that have been telling me or, you know, that will tell me that Pod Colson has been in beast mode down in Abbotsford. And, you know, he doesn't necessarily, of course, he doesn't have to play with Nils Hoaglander, but I, when I saw Pod Coles in the last, you know, year, and that definitely includes training camp and the preseason, like I was like, where's the edge in this guy? Mm-hmm. Right. And Hoaglander's got it. And in fact, he was the reason why Jake Wallman was so upset because uh, there was a battle in front of the net and Hoaglander was battling. And as a, as a result, got his stick up a little bit. He accidentally hit him with a stick. And uh, well, I kind of think it was, but he <laughs> ended up, uh, whacking Jake Wallman to the ice and Jake Wallman was all upset and I believe that might have been around the time that Nikita Zadorov did his gritty. That's exactly Wallman it, then right? did an angry gritty from the bench. Wallman yeah. Yeah, a mad gritty. He was smashing his stick. I did the Iggy. Yeah, that was Wallman. <laughs> he was smashing his stick like crazy and then barking outside. I always want- Detroit's really, really feisty. And they dive a lot. And it's not just Lucas Raymond. Like Lar- I know Miller and Larkin got into it yesterday because Larkin was falling down incessantly, and then Patrick Kane was chirping uh, Tyler Myers. I actually, you know what? For as annoying as the Red Wings are, 
I actually kind of like them as an opponent because the games have feeling and they have mm-hmm. emotion because of the totally. way that, because they of the like way that other. they play. Yeah. And I think that I think I know Detroit's kind of leaned into that this year and it's probably part of the reason why they've had this rise up the standings like they're tough to play against and they make life miserable on you. One final thing on Hoaglander that and you brought up Pod Colson and that's important. When coaches talk about guys figuring it out it sounds like a sort of vague, nebulous term. It's like, what does that exactly mean, figure it out? And oftentimes you can't put your finger on it. Talkett just did it with Hoaglander. Is that when he got the ascension to play with better guys, I think almost like innately he just changed his game, maybe not even without knowing, because he's like, well, I'm playing top-line minutes now. i got to play like a top-line guy. I gotta... And he's got skill. He had... There's a reason he got drafted as high as he did. There's a reason he could do Michigan goals and junior. Like He's a... Very talented guy. And and Tockett said it. He's like, when he played with those guys at the beginning of the year, he played too fancy. Mm-hmm. What he figured out was the stuff that I do lunch bucket-wise is what they need on the top line. They don't need another skill guy right, to yeah. go play on the top line. They need a guy that's going to do all the gross, dirty, nasty stuff that the other two guys don't necessarily want or need to do. Not not all of it. Everyone's got to do. Everyone's got to go out there and win puck battles 100%. in their own way. But um, you you know have to know your role on a line. Yeah. You have to know what you are on that line. Mm-hmm. Just because you're playing with the top guys doesn't mean that like you're their equal in playmaking because you, you are not scoring, <laughs> because you are not right. But you know yeah, what you yeah. do better is you dig pucks out of corners better. Mm-hmm. That's your thing, and that's what Tockett was saying. He's like. You know, Hoagie's board play and south of the goal line and all that stuff. He's almost elite at it. I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what he said. The, the Guys, the, we, we also need to acknowledge that if this line sticks, if this is a thing, and if this is successful, this is going to go a long, long way for the Canucks. Yeah. It's, it's very, very, very important that two things – this is why, you know, Lindholm was traded to the Canucks with the hope that – Petey would find a better line mate to play with, more with just a, just a higher caliber of player. Um, and But also the, that player, Elias Lindholm, he found his game as well because he kind of lost it in Calgary, right? Like we, yeah. we all kind of, you know, brushed it off, the fact that his – you know, career season was a couple of seasons ago and he's been trending down. We we're like, well, yeah, the the Flames are the Flames and, you know, they've been in trouble and he hasn't had many good players to play with ever since Kachuk and Goudreau left. So he'll be fine in Vancouver, right? And, and most of us were pretty optimistic he'll be fine. Um, but in the back of our minds, I think we were kind of like, oh, I hope he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, I, I hope this isn't just him getting older and maybe losing a step and, you know, not being the player that he once was or maybe that season that he had with Goudreau and Kachuk was more about those two than, you know, Lindholm mm-hmm. got credit for. Um, but listen, if they can figure out this riddle, this piece of the puzzle, as Rick Tockett would say, and you've got these guys together – and then you you're going to keep Miller and Besser together, probably with Suter. Yep. Um, but maybe there's an addition there. But you know, it's just like it's like Forrest Gump after he gets rich. He's like one less thing yeah. to worry about, right? And and that that who's going to play with PD and is it going to be kind of like well, I guess 
I guess we'll just live with it. Or is it going to be like, oh, I really like that combination of players to play with PD. Mm-hmm. There's a difference in that. Yeah, in early days still, right? It's only the second game, really, that they've been together. But I, I quite like it. And it, I think it's also important the talk it isn't just figuring out uh, who should play together, but what roles they should play on the line. Like, we played that audio earlier, like, Lindholm's going to be the center, right? I mean, that was clear as day. Talkit is a huge fan, and I can understand why. Like, you mentioned the Zadorov goal. How many times is that now where Lindholm has been a really good physical presence in front of the net, mm-hmm. right? So we're talking about that goal there. The game he's, a big, he's a big body. He's big and strong. I, I, yeah. I didn't realize how big and strong he was. Surprisingly, really. And then you look at him, yeah. he's listed at like 6'2", close to 200. So like, but he looks big out there. He does. Yeah. And there was that play. You go back to the game in Chicago where he just muscled Megna off the puck, and that mm-hmm. allowed Hoaglander to go score. His first game in a Canucks uniform, obviously, there was the two tips in front against Carolina. So, I mean, there's that part of his game. Talking always raves about his hockey IQ. He loves them on the draws. There's enough things that make me think, okay, it's kind of clicked here, and we'll get to see them play together for a while. And, okay, uh, there's a couple other takeaways as we lead this into break. We'll do the rest of the NHL story uh, in the 630 segment because there were a ton of stories coming from the rest of the league as well last night. There was 11 other games, including a rough evening for the province of Alberta. But um, the gritty thing which actually did become a thing, which I thought was hilarious because when I went, you know, I did Toronto radio this week. I heard about that, yeah. Um, they asked near the end of the hit about the gritty thing. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I tried to contextualize it. I'm like, we, I kind of was making these jokes and my usual like in, interjections where I'm like, and then they're going to take care of Walden or then they're going to yeah, get yeah. their revenge. And then it became bigger and we started talking about it for real. But I wasn't sure if the players actually did they cared. Sh- did they shoehorn Morgan Riley into the conversation there? I did it myself. Oh, I, okay. took the, I took the, the liberties okay. there to put that in there. And I said right. also we were talking about Morgan Riley. But uh, obviously the players had it in their minds. And Nikita Zadorov had it in their minds. And we played the clip in the intro this morning. So Satin Bick yesterday on the postgame show. I just so happened to be in the car. I was taking my kid home from a late soccer practice. And they had Zadorov on. And... Uh, kudos to them because they were asking the tough questions. They were asking about the officiating and some of the calls that happened last night. Mm-hmm. And Zadorov's answer to the first one was, uh, I don't want to get fined. <laughs> and they're like, okay, well, we're not going to get very far with this one. But he said there was 20,000 people in attendance. You could see what was going on. They were mm-hmm. not happy with the officiating. They panned over to Rick Tockett a couple times, yeah. especially after the Quinn Hughes penalty. Oh, that was terrible. You know, not good. I do think part of this had to do with the fact that um, – Detroit, bunch of embellishers over there, right? All they do is gritty and dive. That's it. So um, anyway, so then they got to the end of the interview. And do we have the clip? We'll play it again. Zadorov did a, I can't even call it a gritty, really. It was just sort of, oh, he's a good little dancer. He just did a little dance move directed at Jake Wallman, which meant that, yeah, they were all aware of what Wallman did with his walk-off penalty shot on Saturday. Here's the quick back and forth between Sat, Bick, and Nikita Zadorov following a 4-1 win over the Red Wings yesterday. Uh, Nikita, how often do you work on your dance moves? Uh, it was uh, caught on camera there, a <laughs> little uh, cheeky uh, one over at the bench. Not that much as guys in red. <laughs> and there was a laugh at the end that we are going to clip as well. What, who, 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 who? That was Sat. That was Sat? Yeah. yeah. That was a high-pitched laugh. That was... <laughs> <laughs> He's already oh clipped God. it. Anyway, uh, point being, there's. You should have. We were talking about dance offs. You should have a laugh off with that, your answer. That, <laughs> that was pretty. He's going to use that as a laugh track now. Anytime you guys have a joke, 
just gonna bust it. <laughs> <out. laughs> so so now some people are texting and they're like, that's the way you deal with someone doing something that you don't like is you don't get your revenge immediately. You wait until it's a dish best served cold and you get it and you take them to school the next time you play them and you beat them four one and then maybe you throw in a little bit of some shade like that. I'm, I'm a big bide your time guy. Yeah, well, wait, pick your moment. I'm, again, I don't want to relitigate the whole conversation, but Morgan Riley is sort of Damocles guy. <laughs> that is the most scholastic reference we're going to have this morning. Actually, it's, it's a Simpsons reference. It's going to fly over a lot of people. It is a Simpsons reference as well. Look. Maybe I can still get that drink. <laughs> there's a lot of people that are saying that's the way you do it, not the way Morgan Riley did it. Morgan Riley didn't have the chance to get uh, revenge, best served cold later, because that was the last game of the year against Ottawa. I have no idea if he knew that or not. But point being, that's great. The way that the Canucks went about their business last night. That's great. It was right? fun. It was entertaining. Yeah. Everyone liked it. You yeah. Know? Except, well, the Red Wings probably did. Right. But just make note of the fact that everyone takes note of these things. The Canucks were very cognizant of the the cool little dance. They obviously noticed it. And they're mm-hmm. like, okay, we'll file it away. And then the next time we play you guys, you know how we're going to exact our revenge? We're going to handle you. We're going to beat you 4-1. And we're going to make the guy that did the dance minus three on the night. Because that's what Wallman ended up being on the night, right? Mm-hmm. Now that we're big plus minus guys. So kudos to them <laughs> and kudos to the group. That was a fun win last night. Uh, we got a lot more to get to on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. 11 other games in the NHL last night. Don't worry. There's plenty more Canucks talk to come. We can dive into the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket and read some of your comments on a 4-1 victory for the Canucks last night over the Detroit Red Wings. It's a big Friday show. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Everything Canucks before and after the games. Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. What a shot by Elias Lindholm! I think the uh, the game in uh, in Detroit. I think we learned from that three. When we were up three to one, I thought we were a lot better handling that that, that lead. To be honest with you, you sure were, Rick. You sure were. You are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650 on a Fiesta Friday. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. What better way to celebrate a fiesta than recycling some metal? Hour one of this program is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. So we spent a considerable amount of time talking about the Vancouver Canucks 4-1 victory over the Detroit Red Wings last night. Uh, We're going to whip around the NHL now. So please don't yell at us because when you turn on the talking sound box, it's not talking about the Canucks. Mm -hmm. You can download the Hour One podcast. We had some awesome stuff on the Canucks. Really great tape. So much Canucks. So much Canucks. But you know what? In order to tell the full story of the local hockey squadron, we need to know what's going on with all the other teams below them in the standings. And that's all of them right now. The Canucks are solidified their grasp uh, on first place in the National Hockey League. The only really news of note, and I'll get to it in a second, is that there's a new new second-place team in the NHL, guys. Did you see that? There's a new second-place team. I'm not going to say who it is. We're right number now. two. 
Yeah, you, they can take that title. Why aren't you going to say who it is? Because we're going to do it later in the, the segment here. That's a tease, Andy. I don't like this. How long have you worked in radio for? I don't like this I don't this like being all. teased. Yeah, don't tease uh, me. I want it because I want to start, first and foremost, with dunking on the sad state of affairs in Alberta. Tough night for the Alberta teams last night. Both the Oilers and the Flames lose. <laughs> I'm trying to decide who it was more disappointing for. Uh, the Oilers lost 6-3 to the Blues. I think I know my answer. The Calgary Flames also lost 6-3, but to the San Jose Sharks. Who's in, who's in goal there? For Calgary? Yeah. Uh, Dustin Wolf. Oh, so it wasn't Marky. No. Okay. And he was uh, not hungry like the Wolf. He was leaky like the Wolf. Marky's trade value stays intact. Yeah, that was not a good night for Dustin Wolf and really not a good night for the Calgary Flames. They, they got blown apart by Philip Zadina, who had four points for the Sharks. The only reason I mentioned this one as the more disappointing of the two is because, one, the Calgary Flames are firm believers that they're going to make the playoffs, and they are pushing you know everything they can to make them. That's a really critical loss for them in their playoff chase. Do we have the Mackenzie Weger audio at the ready? Because he didn't even try and gloss over the fact that they lost to a crappy team. He's like, yeah, we play good against the good teams and then bad against the bad teams. Here's Mackenzie Weger after the Flames lost to the Sharks last night. You know, you, we play the Vegas, the Colorados, um, you know, the top teams. We play them hard, Boston's. And, um, you know, I don't know why we don't have that same mindset for these teams. It's the NHL. Um, you know, no game is easy. Um, doesn't matter who the other opponent is. Um, but that's, you know, we got to figure that out for sure. We're, we're losing some valuable points, uh, not, not being emotionally engaged. It would have been good if you said we're playing against, you know, bad against the bum teams like – like the San Jose's and the Chicago's and everyone else. That would have been a good one, but he didn't go there. Anyway, I mentioned uh, Edmonton loss. That's good. We are now tracking every Edmonton, Los Angeles, and Las Vegas loss, right? Right. As long as they stay in the 2-3 and uh, maybe L.A. stays in the first wild card and doesn't slide into the second, that's the dream. That's the dream scenario for the Vancouver mm. Canucks. Give us St. Louis, a team that's given the – Canucks problems this season. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and just handled Edmonton pretty handily last night as well. Uh, I mentioned Chicago there briefly. Uh, Connor Bedard, congratulations. He returned to the lineup for the first time since January the 5th. Uh, unfortunately, he still plays for the Chicago Blackhawks, who yet again had no offensive production to speak of except for one measly goal. They lose 4-1 to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Sid had a big night for the Sid Penguins. Sid had another big night. He scored twice in a 4-1 victory. Um, Pete Blackburn, our buddy from the uh, What Chaos show down mm -hmm. in the States, was in attendance. And he took a pano shot. He's like, you, the pano man. Okay. He took a pano shot of the Empty seats? For a Sidney Crosby-Connor Bedard game. Yeah. And I'm assuming a lot of the um, Chicago fans checked out when they heard that Bedard was hurt. And they, he kind of made a surprise return. Mm -hmm. No one was really uh, aware that he was going to try and make a comeback for you. It all sort of happened yesterday. But there was nobody there, really. And I can understand why. S the Chicago Blackhawks are a terrible hockey team. I mean, they are truly bad, and they don't score any goals. But Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like, they, they're, they're bad, and they're boring to watch mm -hmm. because they can't score. But Bedard was back last night, and they got one. They did. They had one. I'll tell you who can score. Uh, Austin Matthews. I got to give – you know what? I don't like the Leafs. I don't care that they lost. I did care that they blew a lead and had to go to overtime. But Austin Matthews had his fifth hat trick of the season. I begrudgingly have to admit that this guy is on another plane when it comes to goal scoring right now. 
Uh, and William Nylander scored 54 seconds in overtime. So the Leafs beat the pesky Philadelphia Flyers, who rallied from 3-1 down in the third period. Another OT overtime. win for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Like, win a game in wait, uh, regulation, guys. Yeah. Seriously. And don't make Austin Matthews do everything. That's their. That's the story of their season, by the way, is they don't win regulation games, but they win a ton of them in overtime. And Austin Matthews does everything for this team. And if he doesn't, then it's William Nylander picking up the slack for them. Okay, you kind of hinted at this, and there's a number of ways that we can go at it. Mm -hmm. Um, The Florida Panthers, we need to talk more about the Florida Panthers because I think they might actually end up winning that Atlantic division. Uh, They're now technically first in that Atlantic division because the Boston Bruins, despite what some people might think after watching them handle the Vancouver Canucks rather easily – 4 nothing win. Um, they've pretty much lost all their other games. <laughs> uh, the Bruins are slumping. The Panthers are not. And now, if the playoffs were to start today, it would be the Bruins versus the Lightning yep. in the first round. 2-3 matchup. And the Panthers would actually play Detroit. But they could <laughs> they could play Toronto, right? Yeah. But, but like we have the potential... If the Leafs can pass the Lightning for a Bruins-Leafs first-round matchup. And if you look at underlying numbers, if you look at goal differential, I think Florida might be the best team in the East. Well, they are right now in terms of standings and points and everything else. And they have now won, uh, what is it, eight of their last nine. They handled Buffalo 4 nothing last night. The run that they're on is very impressive. Mm-hmm. I kind of I the headline I wrote was uh bees down, peas up. Remember when Brooks Kepka called him the peas? Right, okay. Yeah, that was my <laughs> I tried to work shoehorn that in there, but yeah, there cuz we talk about bees down, peas up. Yeah, that's right. Brooks Kepka's like right on, peas bro. up. I like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um this is a story worth monitoring because Again, the Canucks have a, I'd say, a fairly healthy cushion atop the NHL standings. But the second-place team, it's really varied throughout the year. Boston was there for a while. There was a brief flirtation with Winnipeg being the second-place team. And now it is the Florida Panthers. So we'll keep an eye on that moving forward. Is Boston starting to show that life without Patrice Bergeron and and David Krejci isn't actually going to be... As simple as they they made it seem well, earlier in the season. It's interesting, right? Because their offense has really sputtered over the last few games. As a matter of fact, the only game where they had good offensive production was against the Vancouver Canucks, yeah. where they won 4 nothing. And keep in mind, those goals came in bunches. And uh, a certain Vancouver Canucks head coach said that they gave a bunch of those goals to the Bruins. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting because Boston and Winnipeg, who the Canucks are going to see on Saturday, and we're going to talk to Jim Toth at 7 o'clock about the Jets. The Jets can't score at all right now. The Jets have nine goals in their last eight games. So what's the commonality here? The offense dried up. And the reason for the Bruins, I think part of it has to do with the fact that they're not that great down the middle. That eventually life will catch up with you when you lose guys like Bergeron and Krejci, who you could just count on to do everything right, both offensively and defensively. Like You could just pencil them in for certain things, right? There was a threshold they were going to hit in terms of production. There was a high standard that they were going to play defensively, and now you're looking at it, and you see a Boston team that in its last three games got shut out by Washington, only could muster two goals of offense against Tampa Bay, and then last night 
lost 4-1 to, I would say, a very mid-Seattle team. Now, here's the important thing. Those last three losses all happened at home at TD Garden. And traditionally, that's a place where the Bruins defend home ice extremely well. Uh, some other scores from last night that I wanted to get to. This one jumped off the page if only because of the goal scored. Dallas scored nine, count them, nine goals against UC Soros and the Nashville Predators in a 9-2 victory yesterday. Here's a weird stat. Dallas has scored eight goals or more four times this year. So one of the more prolific offenses in the NHL, less in terms of being able to explode in a single game. Uh, that did so happen last night. I still think they're boring. <laughs> I mean, I... They're Dallas, like I just won't change my mind on that. And it's funny because they're actually <laughs> offensively they're yeah, one of the more entertaining teams in the National Hockey League. Yeah, Dallas is still kind of boring. Uh, another it's rest- just this thing you feel in your gut, you yeah, know, you're yeah, just like in your soul. No. And it was from the, it was just from the, that brief time where Ken Hitch- Hitchcock was a head coach and he choked the life. And out. in general, I just lose track of what goes on in Dallas. Though. I mean, they got guys is like Brendan Morrow still there. Such a small like, town, all tucked <laughs> away down there. Yeah, yeah, that small town of Dallas. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, who who's the most exciting player on 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 Dallas? Jason Robertson. Yeah. Matthew Shane's having a hell of a year for them, by he the way. Is too. Yeah. What about Rupe Hints? And, Ru- and Ru- mm-hmm. my favorite Rupe. Uh, other quick, Andre. like I, res- I respect the Dallas Stars. I think they do a lot of. I have a level of respect. A lot of thing. They 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 play the game the right way. But if Jason Robertson is their most exciting player, with all due respect to Jason Robertson, like, mm-hmm. eh, you know, I I like I cheer P- Pavelski just because he's old and. He's still <laughs> their most exciting players are an old guy and Jason Robertson who gets the meh. But I, I, I mean, they're, they're yeah. going to be a contender. I was Pavelski and, and, still and, almost and a game named and a guy named uh, a guy named Wyatt. Yeah, he's good too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, a couple other quick ones before we dive back into the Vancouver Canucks stuff. We'll get into the Dunbar number text message in basket. I'm assuming, by the way, that you're furiously typing that we've got some responses into the Dunbar number text message in basket. Uh, another hat trick last night. This one by Chris Kreider. Rangers win. The other big takeaway from their 7-4 victory over Montreal, not just the hat trick, Blake Wheeler stretchered off the ice with a very nasty-looking leg injury. He fell awkwardly on his right leg in the first period, couldn't put any weight on it, had to be taken off on a stretcher, something to monitor there. Here's something interesting. Uh, Brother of Quinn Hughes, Jack Hughes, in a very testy affair against the LA Kings last night. He got into it. With Victor Arvidsson in the second period, they had a sort of slashing slash FU fest. And then on their way to the box, Jack Hughes and Victor Arvidsson were jawing each other the whole time. This really set off Jack Hughes. As things remain heated when they went to the penalty box, he very clearly was yelling and cursing at Arvidsson. And then his final sort of salvo towards Arvidsson was, hey, People actually pay to watch me play. And I was like, attaboy, Jack. I respect that. That's a power move from Jack Hughes. The unfortunate thing is that the Devils lost that game 2-1, and he missed a really great chance right after that. And it was just a super embarrassing night for the Victor Arvidsson fan club, which was in attendance. Yeah, they were like, what? (laughs) Oh, man, he said that? (laughs) Good word for you, Jack. (laughs) Yeah. Good word for you. Yeah, so I thought thought it was interesting. It was a a lot of really testy games last night across the National Hockey League, actually, including uh, the Vancouver Canucks 4-1 victory over the Detroit Red Wings. Lots of takeaways from the game last night. Uh, The Elias and Elias connection was very good. Uh, Big things, big things from Nils Hoaglander as he gets that promotion, although you pointed out his ice time didn't really reflect that promotion to the top line. He was under 13 minutes again. Yeah, He's slowly gaining the trust of his head coach, though, which is a good thing. Well, um, I really hope that line just starts getting a run now together. 
Uh, it's not going to be perfect. They're going to have to figure it out with each other, a few things. Um, but it takes a while before a line can gel completely and you know where everyone's going to go. But I think what Rick Tockett realized was, um, yes, we have time to experiment with Elias Lindholm. And, you know, think of all the experiments that that his versatility presents you with the opportunity to do. Like, you could have him play with either top six forward line. You could even, if there's an injury to Bluger, you just want to switch things up, you could have him playing in the bottom six, right? You Mm -hmm. could. There's the potential for that just because he plays center. That's not one that they're going to look to explore too much, I don't think. No. You can have him on the wing. You can have him at center. And you could kick Pedersen to the wing. Oh, you could also kick Miller to the wing, right? Um, And then you have to find the other player to play with Lindholm, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just a matter of does he play with um, Besser and Miller, who seem to be the only constants, like those two are staying together, or do you play them with, um, you know, Petey and Hoaglander? And that's the one they've settled on, and Tockett seems to have settled, for now at least, on, okay, Lindholm, you're a center. Mm -hmm. That's what you are, and I think that's the right decision. I do too. I think it's the. I think it's it gets the, right, the Alfred and Bruff pass. I think it's the right decision. Um, I don't know how Pedersen feels about being kicked to the wing. Uh, I don't care. Well, they Pedersen seem to have some chemistry and feels well together. So, um, yeah, yeah. So I mean, no, you might as well they, they looked they they looked good last night. Mm-hmm. They did, but the key to a line is consistency. And what have we been saying about the third line? They bring it every night. And you know what to expect from them. And I think that's – if we're going to nitpick the first place overall team in the NHL, <laughs> if we're going to nitpick – and, hey, I promised you we did this. We would do this. I said, I said, if the Canucks ever get good, don't worry. We can still stay negative because you just nitpick – at, uh, or, or, you yeah, your thing was you don't you don't hammer them for being like your this team is completely lost there are still problems to discuss uh, if you want to put them in a different way challenges or or puzzles to figure out puzzles is a good word puzzles I, I like be- puzzles. puzzles better right it sounds fun and it's not like negative but like there's still puzzles to figure out and I would always say like you know back in the day in 2011 it'd be like is the second line scoring enough like you always say the third line that was the thing back in 2011 it's like uh, no it was the fourth line it was the fourth line yeah well now we don't have to worry about those at all it's the top line that we got to worry about although they're moving the pieces around nicely there so but but there's always things to discuss now what I hope is that this line gets a run together and maybe they're going to have a night where they look a little bit off, but just keep them together. I agree. Let them practice together. Let them talk it out. Let it. Let them watch video together and sure. go. Okay, on that play, you know, my tendency is to do this. I like to do that. Um, and you know, they can all speak Swedish. I together was going to say, when one, one text for like keep PD on the wing so he's cheaper to sign. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that <laughs> it's, all, it's all a financial like, strategy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, P- well, you're a winger now. You're like, actually, you know, he, he plays a premier position. I'm like, winger though. Not a centerman. Not only is he is a winger, it's not as much value. And then PD's like, okay, fine, I'll go to another team to play center. Like, whoa, no, we're just joking with you, PD. We're just joking with you. And I'll remind you, he's a first line winger. 
it's not even our first line because our third line is our first line. But yeah, no. Uh, question for you, by the way. This kind of slipped through the cracks because there was so much that happened last night. But yesterday, pregame, uh, Rick Tockett said that he felt like Arshdeep Baines deserves a look based on what he's done, his body of work with AHL Abbots for this well, year. Maybe they should call him up and sit McKayev in the press box for a bit. Yeah, that, I mean, it's a possibility. And there's also, I think there's fourth line opportunities there. You know, as there well. was a play last night where uh, McKayev was on. Now, granted, it might have been at the end of a shift, but there was a play at the blue line. It was a close play at the blue line. So maybe McKayev was trying not to go offside. But if he had just turned on the afterburners, his linemate could have put the puck into space for him and he would have had a breakaway. Um, it was early in the game, nobody made a big deal of it. But I just noticed it. I'm like, why are you skating so slow? Well, just, just like anyone, you know, would have been like screaming at the top of their lungs for the. It might have been Garland sure. to put the puck into space, and I would have had a breakaway, and he just. Okay, so you know how yesterday, it was yesterday or the day before we were talking about McKay, and we kind of had a back and forth because I was trying to defend the guy, right? And um, I'll say this as I do a counterpoint to my own argument. Right now, he's cast into the proper role. Like I said, he was miscast as a top six guy. and you know, just, Sure, yeah. If it, if it does, and especially with that line where you know that there's chemistry and you know what it looks like with Joshua – if Mikheyev can't step in and be productive and look good and pass the eye test but also get some production, then it's going to be okay. The leeway that I've given him is going to be – the leash is going to be less. Although maybe he was even more nervous to play with that line. He's like, God, they're bumping me up to the top line There's here. a lot of pressure here playing on the third line. <laughs> the third line. Um, no, like you understand what I'm saying, right? Like yeah. here I'm like, okay, you're not uh, – you're not shouldering the responsibility of being Petey's winger, being the trigger man for a center, a top-line center. And you're not sort of going to be relied upon to play over your head and produce at a level you've never uh, produced at. And to be honest, I know that the speed is obviously not there like it was. I'm hopeful that it's in part because he's still recovering from uh, reconstructive knee surgery, but I also acknowledge that he's not getting any younger and he just might not be as fast as he used to be. All I'm saying is that he's got a real, legitimate, honest opportunity here to fill a role that I always thought is what his role should be. He should be a third or fourth line guy. Mm -hmm. Did they overpay for that? Yeah, probably. And his money doesn't look great right now. But if this doesn't click for him, like I, can, I always defer to the coach in these instances, right? Yeah. When Tockett was critical of Kuzmenko, I was like, he's not wrong. He knows what he's talking about. And yeah. Kuzmenko ain't it for what he wants to do. Well, last night he was asked about McKayev, and he was like, he was okay, he was fine. That stands out to me because there's certain things that Tockett not just wants to see, but I think knows what guys are capable of. Uh, the Vancouver Canucks PK now sits 13th in the NHL. Woo! The top half of the league. They got there, finally. They got there. Congratulations, guys. And talk about some big PKs against a Detroit Red Wings team that Actually has a pretty good power play. Remember back in Detroit when they had to kill off seven minutes and then Philip Peronic steps out of, the, out of the penalty box, gets a breakaway and scores. And we all thought the Canucks were going to go on to win that game because they finished the second period so impressively. What, what a second period that was in Detroit, actually. They killed off that big penalty. 
and they actually end up outscoring the Red Wings three to nothing in that period, if if I'm not mistaken. There now, unfortunately, they did blow the lead in the third, and they lost in an overtime. But overall, the Canucks PK has been improved so much. And a lot of it's Thatcher Demko, as it usually is with the goalie. You got to make big saves. You got to be reliable in there. But a lot of it's just bringing in guys that know what they're doing Mm -hmm. and have a willingness to block shots. And I think a huge story this season that maybe you and I haven't given enough appreciation to, I know other people have, um, like David Quadrelli had a great hot take on Twitter yesterday. Okay. His hot take was that Noah Juleson is the Canucks' third best defenseman. Right? That's a great hot take. Right? For like for a young guy. Because it, it was like it was like, you know what? That got me thinking. Maybe I'm not giving enough credit to Noah Juleson. Well, he's come a long way. He yeah. has had some I mean he terrified uh, me at the start of the season. I did not like him in the lineup at all. I was very outspoken about it. He's a completely different player now. He's had some really, uh, this, this always sounds weird, like good sticks on the PK. Yep, he's hard on his and stick. Like, and, but, but, but also like well-positioned stick. It doesn't, it's not necessarily like hard on his stick. You it's, think that's Adam Foote just being like, just do 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 all these things that I did and uh, you'll be I'm good. I'm sure it's part of it. I'm There's sure a reason they brought in a guy like Adam Foote, right? Ray the, the, by the way, Ray mentioned exactly what you were talking about right there last night on the call. What? But the, on one of the penalty kills. Good sticks? Yeah, but also like the body position. He's just hard to move off it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What He's always it? been a strong guy. Is it position over possession? Is that what you were saying? You, possession position before possession. That's exactly what he did. Is he yeah, gained yeah. position on the PK and then got possession of the puck and then fired it down while well, the guy ta- was leaning on his stick. Yeah, talk, it still talks about, like, the game has changed a little bit, but you, you still got to box out in front of the net when yep. you can. Sometimes on the PK, you're leaving the net front man wide open, which is a little bit different. But if the puck is around the net, then you all got to collapse towards the net and you got to box out. And that's where it helps to be big and strong and to be smart positionally. I mean, at the end of the day, playing defense is just a lot of like, I keep my body between the puck and the goal. Be in the right place. Yeah. And that's it. You know, and the Canucks uh, on the PK in previous seasons had just been torn apart by the cross seam passes. And Noah Juleson is doing a really good job. Sometimes it gets pretty close. You're like, oh, that was that was close, right? <laughs> like if, if Juleson hadn't have been there, that would have been a tapping. But here's the key. He was there. Yeah. The positioning <laughs> was right. Okay. Uh, coming up on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650, we're going to look ahead to Saturday's game. Another big test on the horizon. It's the best goalie in the NHL. Greg, do you agree? Do you agree? Just nod if you do. Connor Hellebuck and the Winnipeg Jets are coming to Vancouver. Mm -hmm. Uh, We will get to see maybe the best goaltending matchup in the NHL right now, assuming that Demko goes on Saturday. I sure hope that he does. We're going to talk to Jim Toth from my favorite station, CJOB Winnipeg Radio, is going to join us next on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.